0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter two. I know your bulletin says Luke one. It's supposed to say Luke two. That's not Diana's fault. That was my mistake. But it's Luke two. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse fifteen, and then we'll go over to chapter uh, to Matthew chapter two as well. Follow in your Bibles as we read Luke chapter two, verse fifteen. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And then Matthew chapter 2, begin reading in verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the ch- young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And he rose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the, de- till the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the lo- of the Lord by the prophets, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, the wise men was exceeding wroth, and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently required of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the reading of this part of the Christmas story. We thank you again, Lord, that you saw fit to come to this earth so that you might take upon yourself human flesh, become a man, become our substitute, and then become our sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for us on the cross and paid the price for our sins. We ask that you might give understanding today as we look at this particular subject, and I pray that you might help us to think seriously about how we're living for Jesus and how the time could be very soon that you take us home to be with you. And then, Lord, if there's one here that's not saved, we pray that today would be the day of faith for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the day after Christmas. December the 26th. All the planning, the decorations, the shopping, and the anticipation was for that special day, Christmas, which was yesterday. Now Christmas is over, and we have all come back down to earth, so to speak, and life will now resume back to somewhat normal. So on this day after Christmas, I would like to speak to you on the subject of the day after Christmas. We will consider some things about the day after Christmas on that first Christmas when Jesus was born, and then we'll talk about some, day, some things about the day after Christmas today, after this Christmas, uh, also this morning. First of all, we're going to look at the day after the first Christmas when Christ was born. Let's think of some things that happened the day after that first Christmas in relation to some people involved in the Christmas story. First of all, Joseph and Mary. The day after Christmas, the day after Jesus was born, they were probably meditating and also rejoicing. They were meditating upon what had happened the day before, the day and the night before in the manger, or rather in the animal stall where the manger was. They were meditating on the birth of that baby Jesus that they had waited for for some time. And now he is here. And uh, they're looking down at him, no doubt, in that, in that uh, animal stall, looking down at baby Jesus lying in the manger. And then they talked about the visit the night before from the shepherds. You remember the shepherds uh, heard the angels while they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And so they came to the stall at night probably, or later up in the night. Maybe Jesus was born during the daytime close to the end of the day because the birth took place and they got him wrapped up, you know, and cleaned up probably as much as they could, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And then at night the angels appeared to the shepherds and they came in to see uh, they came to see Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph that day after Christmas are probably talking about the visit from the shepherds. And what the shepherds had told them that they that as they were out in the field, the angels came. And they pronounced to them the, the message that, that a Savior was born unto them and He was Christ the Lord. They thought about what the shepherds told them the, day, the night before. And they thought about, he, they, the shepherds said he was, he was the Savior and He was the Christ. Now they being a Jewish couple knew what the Christ meant. That meant He was their Messiah. The one that they had been watching for for many, many, many years. This one lying in the manger was their Messiah. They probably rehearsed again what happened several months before and how the Lord had appeared to uh, Mary and then later appeared to Joseph. And uh, Mary probably told her story again. She's probably told it several times to Joseph. But maybe as that day after Christmas, they were meditating on those things and thinking again. And Mary said, that angel said, I should call him Jesus. And we've called him Jesus that angel said he was great he would great he was great and he was the son of the highest and the lord would give unto him the throne of his father david that means he's the messiah and his kingdom would have no end and then the lord revealed to me that i was to become pregnant by the holy spirit and he would do that and maybe they were talking about those things and then joseph chimed in and said yes mary and I'm going to tell you again what happened to me. I was minded to put you away because I thought you'd been unfaithful. And you remember how I told you about the angel and what he said to me? He said, Fear not, fear not Joseph, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And you're, she's going to bear a child, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then Mary, you remember what he said? He said he would save his people from their sins. This baby here is Jesus, the Messiah. He's the Savior. Joseph probably discussed with Mary something else that day, and that is he looked around and saw that they were still in this animal stall. And he said, Mary, this really isn't a good place for you, and we need to get a better place. And so they probably started talking about it. And I imagine before that day was over, that day after Christmas, that Joseph began to inquire of the locals where he could find a better place for Mary to be and their new child to be. And so that was what maybe Mary and Joseph were talking about the day after Christmas. And then let's talk about Jesus. The day after Christmas, the day after his birth, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus was a real human being. And that meant he was sleeping a lot. That meant when he got hungry, he cried. That meant Mary held him and nursed him. That meant that he was not performing any miracles from his crib. You know, some have written extra-biblical things years ago that said said that Jesus performed miracles from his crib. No, he didn't. He was just a normal baby, normal in the sense that he was fully human. And he was limited. Uh, He did not... He had, independent, he had given up the independent exercise of his attributes as, as deity and he had humbled himself and came to this earth and became a little baby, a baby that was weak. The Son of God who's all-powerful and nothing's too hard for him has voluntarily become weak and he is dependent upon Mary and Joseph to take care of him. He's lying in the baby, in the bed, in the manger, weak, a helpless baby. And also that day after Christmas was the first day in his long journey to the cross of Calvary. That day he began that journey on this earth to the cross of Calvary. You remember this baby was born to die. This baby was not born to uh, perform some spectacular thing, work of art, anything like that. He was born to die. And that was his purpose. And that day, the day after that first Christmas, he began that journey, that journey to Calvary, where he would pay for our sins. And then let's talk about the shepherds the day after Christmas. They're still amazed about what they had, that, that, what they had experienced the night before. They're still amazed by what the angels said to them, that the angel had appeared to them, I mean, scared them to death. And uh, they're thinking about that the day after Christmas. They're thinking about what happened the night before. And they're thinking about after they the angel told them that the Savior was born and that he was, he was Christ the Lord. They went to that manger to see that, uh, that baby. And they themselves actually looked at the very Son of God, the Messiah they had been looking for, the Savior of the world. They were able to do that. And so they were no doubt talking about that among themselves. They're still... Doing, they, on that day, they were still doing what they d- did as they left that manger that night. And that is, anybody they could see, see, they told them about it. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And, the, and verse 20 says, they glorified and praised God. So I imagine the day after Christmas, they're telling people about Jesus. Jesus. The day after Christmas, they're glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and they had heard. And then there's the people, the people in Bethlehem. The day after the birth of Jesus, the day after that first Christmas, the people in Bethlehem. Those people in Bethlehem consisted of two groups. There were the residents and there were the visitors. You remember because the Caesar had sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed or registered for taxation. Uh, All those descended from David had come to Bethlehem, the city of David, to be registered for their taxation. And so there were a lot of visitors in town. And the day after Christmas, the day after Jesus' birth, there were the residents and there were the visitors to Bethlehem. Let's talk about the residents. No doubt some of them are talking about what the shepherds told them. The Bible says the shepherds went and told everybody about what, what had happened that night and what the angels had said. They told about the Christ child and no doubt there were some residents in Bethlehem who had been told by the shepherds what had happened and they were thinking about that the day after Christmas. Some were busy making money because of all the new people in town, the innkeepers and those with restaurants or the equivalent of those, the, anything they could do to make money from those new visitors who would come into town. They were thinking about that. The day after that first Christmas, some were finishing their re- their registration for their taxation. Maybe they still had things to do to get that taken care of, and they were doing that. And I can imagine the day after Christmas, some were frustrated, and they were tired of all these newcomers, and they were looking forward to the day that they would all go back home because they're just like us, you know. Just They're just people. And the day after Christmas, some of them were probably just wondering when it's going to get back to normal. And then there were the visitors to Bethlehem. The day after Christmas, they were finalizing probably their registration for taxation. Some of them have come a long way to that, for that very purpose. And the day after Christ was born, maybe they were finalizing what they needed to do. Some of them were enjoying reunions still because when they came to the city of David, there would be relatives of theirs there. And maybe not. Maybe if their relatives weren't living there, some of their relatives came there and they had a family reunion while they were at Bethlehem. And maybe the day after that first Christmas, they were still enjoying those reunions with relatives they hadn't seen for a long time. Some would probably, those residents, those visitors probably had heard about the shepherds. I imagine the shepherds told anybody they could get a hold of That They had to share this message, whether it be a resident of Bethlehem or a new person in Bethlehem. They were telling everybody, and some of those visitors had heard about Jesus and heard about what the shepherds said. And so they were talking maybe about that. The day after Christmas, almost everyone in that area was oblivious to what had happened in the animal stall the night before, the day before, there when Jesus was born. So the day after Christmas, the Savior of the world had come to this earth. He had come to their city, and yet most of them didn't even know it. They didn't realize what had taken place. A spectacular, world-changing event had taken place in their midst, and they were oblivious to it. They didn't know what was going on the day after Christmas. But then let's think of somebody else. The day after Christmas, the wise men. You might say, well, Pastor, the day after Christmas, the wise men weren't in the story yet. And that's true. But the wise men were somewhere. And the day after Christmas, maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe the day after Christmas, back there where they were from, maybe in the area of Babylon, that, that area, we're not exactly sure, but maybe they had seen the star. Because you remember the Bible says that, uh, that Christ was born And they saw a star, which uh, was an indication to them that the king of the Jews was born. And they reasoned that Jews are from Jerusalem, and so we're going to go to Jerusalem. And the day after Christmas, that first Christmas, maybe they saw that star many, many miles away. Now, it tells us that Herod, when he found out about that, he, he inquired when... When that that star first appeared to them, and they told him, and then he set out to kill all the babies two years old and younger. And so, whatever they told him, he he said, "I can get that baby if I go up to two years old." So maybe he went further. Maybe they said it was a month. That was a year ago that we heard that we saw that star, and he said, "Well, just to be safe, I'm going to make it two years." Or maybe they said it was eighteen months ago. I don't know. It was a long journey they had to take. And so when they got to Jerusalem, Jesus was no longer a baby. He was a young child living in a home. And so maybe the day after Christmas, many miles away, the wise men saw that star. And then what about the Roman government? The day after Christmas, Christmas hadn't changed the Roman government. The Roman government was still concerned about taxation. I'll tell you something. Government's always concerned about that, aren't they? (laughs) Always raising taxes. And maybe somebody comes in as president and says, we're going to lower taxes and we rejoice over that, but it's not too long that there comes a raiser of taxes. (laughs) And the taxes go back up. Well, that was the way it was in the Roman government the day after Christmas. A spectacular event had taken a place. But they weren't interested in that. They were just interested in money. And the day after Christmas, the ruler in that area was Herod the Great. And he was a wicked man. We know from Herod's life that he had ten wives. Ten wives. And he was so intent on keeping his power that if anybody raised any suspicion to him, that they might be planning against against him or plotting against him, he would take care of them. And so we know that Herod the Great killed one of his wives. He also killed three of his sons, all to protect his own power. So the day after Christmas, it hadn't happened yet, but the man on the throne, the man who was in charge, was a wicked man who was willing to kill anybody that stood in his way. And so when the message came later that Jesus, the king of the Jews, was born, he was willing to eliminate all the babies he could in that two-year period if he could only get one baby, and that was Jesus. He was a wicked, wicked man. So the day after Christmas, the Roman government was very wicked, just like it was the day before or the day of. They had not changed. And then what about the whole world? The day after Christmas, the whole world was involved in a sense because on that day, the day before, that on Christmas Day, the Savior of the world had come to this world. And the Savior of the world was there the day after Christmas. In fact, He was not just the Savior of the world, but we could add another adjective, and that is He was the only Savior of the world. There would never be another There would never be another. There never was another Savior. He is the only Savior, the one God of the universe who created the earth and made everyone on the earth, that one God of the universe loved us so much that He sent His only Son to this earth to die for us and He was the only Savior, the only way to heaven. In fact, this one Jesus later in His life would say in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, verse 6. So the day after Christmas, there was one way to heaven. There was only one Savior, and that was Jesus. Now let's fast forward several years. I usually say almost 2,000 years because it's not been 2,000 years yet. Jesus died when he was approximately 33 years old. We are in the year 2021. And yet they made a mistake in calculating years ago, and there's a difference of opinion. It could be four years off, seven years off, difference of opinion about that. So it could have been 4 B.C. So if you say 2,000 years after after the cross, you would have to say 33 plus 4, that's 37 So you'd have to have 2037 before it would be 2,000 years. Have I got that right, Kara? You're looking puzzled. (laughs) You know, when you have your grandchild in the audience and she she has a puzzled look, you know Papa probably made a mistake. But anyway, it's a long time. (laughs) Many years later, we have today, which is the day after Christmas. What about the day after Christmas today. Well, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus, the subject of Christmas, is no longer here on this earth physically. He's in heaven. What's he doing in heaven? Well, first of all, he's in heaven after he accomplished what he came to do. He was born on that that first Christmas and uh, that day after Christmas, he began that long journey to, to Calvary. Well, that's already happened. That's complete. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. He rose from the grave. He ascended up into the earth, up into heaven 40 days later. He's seated at the right hand of God. Salvation has been accomplished for mankind. It's available to mankind. And so salvation is available to anybody who will trust Jesus as their personal Savior. So he's in heaven today. What's he doing there? He's interceding. As we said last week, as the believer's sympathetic high priest, he understands all we go through, and we can talk to him anytime about anything, and he knows all about it, and he's all wise, and he knows what to tell us. He knows how to work things out. He works all things together for good. He is our sympathetic high priest interceding for believers today. He's also doing something else. According to John chapter 14 verse two, he says, "If I go to heaven, go back to, to heaven, I'll go to prepare a place for you. And so in, in heaven today, Jesus is preparing a place for us. He said, "I'm going to go away, prepare a place for you." And when I when, and someday I'm going to come back and receive you into myself. So the Lord's preparing a place for us in heaven. He's also planning to come back to rapture His, his church home to be with him. Now, on earth, Jesus did not know the time of his coming, but he does in heaven. Because in heaven, he's glorified, and he has no lack of knowledge whatsoever, so Jesus himself knows when he's coming back. So in heaven, Jesus knows when he's coming back, he's planning it, and it could be this day after Christmas. It could be today. Jesus could come back today, And so we should anticipate that. But then what about believers? Well, believers, like the shepherds, should be doing something as the shepherds did. And that is the shepherds told what they knew about this Christ child. Let's go over what they knew. They knew two main things. He was the Savior, and He was Christ the Lord. He was Messiah. Savior, Christ, the Lord. So maybe we could say three things. He's the Savior, He's the Messiah, and He's God. And so they knew that. And they were so excited. And they were joyful. And they were praising God and glorifying God because they knew those three things. He's the Savior, He's the Messiah, and He's God. Well, what should we be doing the day after Christmas? Well, the day after Christmas, we should be sharing what we know. You see, we know more than the shepherds knew. They knew he was the Savior, but they didn't know how. They didn't know what he was going to do. I don't think they understood all that. They knew about the Old Testament sacrifices, yes, but they did not understand all that. And people who tell you that, and I know a lot of preachers say this, that those Old Testament men had it all figured out. They knew, no, they didn't know (laughs) They had an idea of something was going to happen because of these sacrifices. They didn't know everything, though, but we do. We know more than the prophets know. We know more than the shepherds knew. We know more than Mary and Joseph knew. We know it all about Jesus and what he did for us. We know that on the cross of Calvary he took the sin of the world and it was laid on him and he suffered and bled and died. We know what he said on the cross. We know all the sayings of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We know everything that happened. We know the nails prints in his hands and his feet and the places on his body that were wounded. We know all about that. We know everything that took place on the cross of Calvary that God allows us to know. And none of, none of that was known by the shepherds. We also know about the resurrection. And we also know that 40 days later, he ascended up in heaven. We know where he is. We know what he's doing. And we know he's coming back. We know all of that. And so we should be glorifying and praising God, but many times we as Christians are long-faced and we're not glorifying, we're not praising God, but we should be because we know a lot more than the shepherds knew and they were all excited about it. And the day after Christmas, guess what they were doing? They were telling what they knew. And the day after Christmas, we should be telling what we know. We should be taking opportunities to tell people about Jesus. When I fly, when I'm able to fly, that, that's in a plane, you know, I don't fly otherwise. <laughs> but uh, when, I, when I, I fly, it's usually Evelyn and I together. And I always have this time when we were flying part of the trip to Louisiana, uh, Evelyn and I were separated. We had to go to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to, to, uh, to, um, to Louisiana. And so we changed planes. And part of the flight we were separated, and then part of the flight we were we were together. And coming back, we were separated all, all the time. She sat up several rows ahead of me, and I sat towards the back. But in doing that, you always have somebody sits beside of you. And I have to tell you, I'm I'm a pastor, and I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been I've 76 years old, and been saved since I was 22. So I've known the Lord a long time. But even that, I still get nervous. I sit down beside somebody, and I don't know who they are. I don't know anything about them, and yet I know I'm, I need to talk to them about Jesus. And so I always call to carry a track with me, and so I encourage you to get a track. By the way, if you go out to lunch today, and, and you go to a Chinese restaurant, there's Chinese tracks back there. And so you might think about that. Now, you can't read it, but they can. And there's Chinese tracks back there. But uh, I usually have track with me, and, and uh, I seek for opportunities. Well, the first time that Ellen and I were, were uh, sitting together, the one time we were sitting together, I was beside her, and she was beside somebody else over by the window. Well, she got to let, talk to this lady and witness to her. And so before we left, I took the track out, and I said, Ma'am, I overheard a little bit of your saying. I said, I'd like to give you this track to read and... and uh, it tells you about Jesus. I can't remember all that I said, but she said, thank you. And she sat there while we were waiting for everybody to stand up and get their luggage out. She sat there and read that whole track. And she looked up at me and said, thank you. And I said, if I can help you any, uh, feel free to call me. And she said, okay. I don't know what will happen there. But then coming back on on the airplane, I sat down next to, or I sat down and this guy said, I was in 18D, and I thought I sat down in 18D, but I sat down in 19D. <laughs> and it got back, the plane started filling up, and the and the stewardess came up. We used to call them stewardess. I still do. But uh, So she came up, and she said, Sir, are you, are you supposed to be, is that the seat you're supposed to be in? I said, 18D. She said, that's up there. <laughs> But the lady who was supposed to be in where I was sitting, said, that's all right, I'll sit there, so I didn't have to move. Well, the guy had sat down beside him, as a young man, and I was thinking, how can I talk to him? And, and uh, so I used the line, which I use every once in a while, but I haven't used it for a good while. And I, and I, I was just trying to think what to say, and I said, sir, I said, have you, I, we had some other small talk, but I said, have you ever considered the claims of Christ? And he turned to me and said, I'm Jewish, <laughs> and I said, well, well, that's great. I said, my best friend's a Jew, <laughs> and his name is Jesus, <laughs> and so I told him about him, I, and I got to know his name, and his name is Nathan. I'll not tell you his last name, but I wrote it down on my phone so that I'd know, and uh, so his name was Nathan, and I said, Nathan, I said, that's a good name. I said, you know, that's a, a Bible name, and I said, Nathan is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And I explained the difference because, you know, one, one uh, gospel traces him through Solomon, another one traces him through Nathan. And uh, I got into a little bit about the curse of Coniah, and he was totally, he didn't know anything about that. And I said, I'd probably give you too much detail. I'm sorry. But then we talked some more, and I said, uh, Do you, do you uh, participate in the Passover? And he said, yes, my family does that. And he said, I'll always do it, but I do. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. And I said, there's another feast day, and, and I can't think of the name of it, and I really couldn't. And I said, it's in, the, it's in the book of Esther. I said, have you ever read Esther? And he said, no. And I said, well, Nathan, it's a great book. Let me tell you the story. So I told him the story of, of Esther. And then I got out my phone and I turned on my phone with my Bible app and I turned to Esther and I was looking down. then I remember, I said, oh yeah, it's the Feast of Purim. And I said, we've done that a couple times at our church. And I explained it to him how we've done it and and how you mock mock, um, Haman uh, during that time. He had never heard that. He was a Jew and he didn't know that story. I said, when you get home, you know, you should take and read your Bible and read the book of Esther. And then I, I'm a preacher. I just kept talking. <laughs> and I said, you know, there's a passage in the Bible that, that talks about uh, somebody I think is Jesus. And it's in Isaiah 53. And I read some of it to him. And I said, I challenge you when you get home to look at Isaiah 53 and ask the question, who is that? Who is that? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I said, Nathan, just ask the question, who is that? I believe it's Jesus. Anyway, we had a good conversation. What was I doing? I was telling somebody about Jesus. I encourage you in this coming year, let's all decide we're going to tell more people about Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we set a goal? I know you might think this impossible, but next year is our 150th anniversary. Wouldn't it be good if we set a goal that in, in this year I'm going to tell 150 people about Jesus? It can be done. And uh, if, you know whether you, if you want to know whether you did, you just got to keep record, you know, and mark them down that I told somebody about Jesus or I shared a track with them. But let's tell people about Jesus. Why? Well, the shepherds did. The day after Christmas, they did. So the day after Christmas, let's tell somebody about Jesus. Before the service started, I made sure I put a track in my pocket because I plan to take my wife to lunch today. And when we have the person waiting on us, I'll give them a track and tell them about Jesus. I encourage you to do the same. And then the the day after Christmas today... There's wise men. You see, the wise men in the Bible account were seeking Jesus. I believe there's still some wise people seeking Jesus. Not saved yet, but they've heard the gospel. They're thinking about the gospel. And it's a wise thing when you hear about Jesus to consider him. And they're thinking about that. And these wise men saw the star in the east. And they... That star pointed them to Jerusalem. and they, they started towards Jerusalem, and the star disappeared probably. And then later as they went to Bethlehem, it reappeared. They got all excited, and the star led them to the place where Jesus lay. What did the star do? It pointed them to Jesus. Isn't it interesting that during this time of Christmas, there are a lot of people who are despondent, I used to think that Christmas was one of the highest times for suicide until I looked it up and found out that wasn't true. But there are a lot of suicides around Christmas. I was surprised to see that the highest time in the year for suicides to take place is in the spring. Everything's coming to life. Everything seems to be new, and yet people feel so depressed. There's nothing new in their life, and they take their life. I read that there's 30,000 suicides in the United States in the year. So many people committing suicide. And so uh, why do they do that during Christmas, during Christmas time? Because sometimes people are disappointed and they're discouraged and they see all these people having fun and they see these TV programs and and fail to realize that they're acting. (laughs) You know, have you seen the Hallmark... Hallmark, uh, Movies. I'm going to say something about that in a minute, but uh, we got back some TV reception because I told my wife, it's all right, we'll get uh, uh, Dish Network for a while because she loves the Christmas movies. And you know, the Christmas movies, they put you in good mood and everybody's so happy and everybody has such a wonderful Christmas experience. I mean, they're decorating trees and and they're singing carols and nobody sings carols anymore, Harley, but... They're singing. everything seems so perfect, but we fail to realize those people are actors. And sometimes people who don't have a good family situation, they see those things and they think, I don't have anything. And they end up taking their life. What I'm saying is, during Christmas time, people hear about Jesus. Sometimes they don't hear the whole story. Most of the time they don't, but they hear about him. And some who are having troubled lives sometimes start to think, is there really anything to this? That's the time, the day after Christmas, when we should be looking out for people who maybe need the message and we should be ready to share it. It's just interesting that in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord says, We shine as lights in the world. In this day of darkness... We shine as lights in the world. And uh, we share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, holding forth the word of life as lights in the world. We should be lights shining for Jesus in this dark, gloomy world. We should be lights shining for Jesus. And we should be sharing the gospel. We should do like the wise men experience. We should be the star that points people to Jesus. And so let's be that for the Lord Jesus. And then the day after Christmas today, the one who was behind Herod's attempt to kill Jesus, I would say today is also behind the abortion movement. Today, the day after Christmas, I imagine people are having abortions. And there's somebody behind all of that that was behind Herod many years ago. He was that man sitting on that throne who was so wicked he'd kill anybody that got in his way and the devil had him there and he was w- glad to use him when the opportunity came. And the devil today is behind all of these attempts and all of these uh, abortions that are taking place. Let me ask the question, why? Why is he behind this? Well, first of all, all babies are made in the image of God. The Bible says the fruit of the womb is his reward. So a baby, a little baby, is a gift from God. It's his reward. We don't deserve it, but he's a gift from God. And if you're in a, congreg- in a an area where there's a little baby, all the attention goes to that. If there's a little baby in the area, my wife just goes immediately to that place. If it's in the grocery store or wherever it is, if there's a baby, she's got to see that baby. We had a baby at, at our family get-together on yesterday. And uh, all attention is that baby, you know. And everybody likes babies. Why? They're a gift from God. The devil doesn't like like gifts from God. (laughs) He doesn't like God at all. And that child is made in the image of God. He bears the image of God. And the devil hates the image of God. And he's against anybody that bears the image of God. And all people do. And so he's behind killing those babies. He's also behind because that because he's, his desire is to get rid of as many prospective Christians as he can. You see, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know that that baby will receive Christ. He doesn't know if that baby will be a pastor or that baby will be an evangelist or that baby will be a missionary or that baby will be a godly father or a godly mother or a teacher that influences people for Christ. Uh, He doesn't know any of that, but he's willing to, just like Herod did, to kill as many as he can just to get at one. And I believe the devil's behind the abortion movement because he wants to get as many prospective Christians, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, teachers, anything, anyone he can to kill them, to get them out of the way. And I also believe he's behind it because I believe that the devil wants to weed out people, wants to lessen the population, because it'll be easier for the Antichrist, his man, to take charge if there's less, less people to object to him. And he's out to kill all that he can. Well, his attempts, of course, weed out the population. But when the Lord takes the church home, God's going to weed out the population by a big margin. Millions of people all over the world are going to disappear. So add that. add to that the attempts of the devil to kill as many people as he can and the Antichrist comes in with a so-called answer, and they follow him. Well, the day after Christmas today, the world is opposed to Christ. Throughout Christmas, Christ has actually been canceled. The substitute, Jesus, we looked at that last week, he's the substitute, has been substituted by the Christmas spirit, whatever that is. Christmas tradition, and then a person, Santa Claus. He's been substituted by Santa Claus. And so, really, it just shows that the world as a whole is opposed to Jesus. And even during Christmas, his birthday celebration, they're doing all they can to eliminate Jesus, cancel him out. So it was sad to see. As I sat down with Evelyn the other night to watch a Hallmark movie, we had watched the first of, the, of a two-part series, and that is uh, uh, Sister Swap. And if any of you watched it, the first one was all right; the second one was terrible. Because the first one just show, talk, showed about these, t- these sisters and their different—you know—they had swapped places, and one wasn't and uh, where the other sister had been taking care of what she did and the other one was back home taking care of things there but then the second episode used christmas to justify and approve of homosexuality it was disgusting they showed these two men meeting and everybody was happy for them they were on their first date and it was so it was just sickening to me and what, what the world was doing was they were using Christmas to actually justify and make right, in the world's mind, sin. Jesus came to die for sin, but they use his birth, his birthday celebration to approve of sin. It just shows this, the world's opposed to Jesus. And the day after Christmas, with all the emphasis all around the world in the United States and all the Christmas programs and all that, and all about Christmas, the day after Christmas, it didn't change anything. It didn't change a thing. The world's still opposed to Jesus. And they'll even use his birthday to get in something that they like, that's sin. Yes, the world's opposed to Jesus. And then the day after Christmas, there's still only one way to heaven. Remember we said when Jesus was born the day after Christmas, there was the only Savior. The only Savior was there. He was the only way to heaven. And today, the same is true. Today, the day after Christmas, everyone who believes in Jesus is saved, and they will go to heaven. Everyone who doesn't, and is lost, and dies that way, they'll go to hell, because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Today is the same as it was the day before, and the day after will be the same, and that is there's only one way to heaven. Think back with me during the, uh, the Christmas story. The people who are in heaven today that were in the Christmas story are, Mo, are Joseph and Mary and Zacharias and Elizabeth, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna, the wise men, and those in Bethlehem who believed what the shepherds told and trusted Jesus. Everyone who rejected Jesus after that first Christmas is in hell. The great leader, Herod the Great, burning in hell. Those in Bethlehem that rejected the message of the shepherds, burning in hell. All unbelievers since that time have died without Jesus, and they're burning in hell. You see, the day after Christmas, there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. And I ask you today, this day after Christmas... Are you for Christ or are you against Christ? As I asked Nathan on the the plane, have you considered the claims of Christ? Have you considered the claims of Christ and then after considering them, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Only you can answer that. The day after Christmas is one more day that we as believers can live by faith. This day might be our last day. It's a day that we live by faith. If you die today in a car accident or if you die of a heart attack or you die some other way, you will never have the opportunity again to live by faith. It'll all be sight. If you're a Christian, you're in heaven and never again will you be able to live by faith. But today you can. So the day after Christmas, you can live by faith. And if you're unsaved, this day after Christmas and uh, you happen to die today, this will be your last opportunity to trust Jesus. And you don't know whether you will die or not. So this could be, this day after Christmas, could be your last opportunity to trust Jesus. Well, we know that because this day after Christmas is so special in lots of ways, that it's very important for you to decide what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? I'd like to share with you some words of a song. It's in our hymnal. It says, Why do you wait? Why do you wait, dear brother? Why do you tarry so long? Your Savior is waiting to give you a place in His sanctified throne. What do you hope, dear brother, to gain by a further delay? There's no one to save you but Jesus. There's no other way but his way. Do you not feel, dear brother, his spirit now striving within? Oh, why not accept his salvation and throw off your burden of sin? Why do you wait, dear brother? The harvest is passing away. Your Savior is longing to bless you. There's danger and death in delay. Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to take this opportunity just to consider some things about the day after Christmas. I thank you, Lord, that we're here this day after Christmas. I thank you that we still have an opportunity to live by faith this day. I pray that we would take those opportunities. We still have an opportunity this day, Lord, to share something about Jesus with some friends, relatives, or just acquaintances. Help us to do that. And Lord, I pray that this day after Christmas, we as Christians might honor you with the life that you've given us. But Lord, if there's someone here who's never trusted Jesus as their Savior, may they come to know you today. And if they do, they'll be able to say, when people ask them, or they're sharing their testimony, they'll say, I was saved the day after Christmas. May that be true, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.